Hey guys, and welcome back to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate Richardson, and I am a registered dietitian nutritionist at Nutrition Awareness, a private practice here in Orlando, where we meet one-on-one with individuals to help them achieve their ultimate health goals using personalized nutrition. If you are new here, welcome. I'm usually joined by fellow dietitian at Nutrition Awareness and co-host Megan, but she is not with me today. In fact, if you're a usual listener, this podcast format might be a tad bit different than what you're used to. So just a little 30-second background, we often have more conversation-type podcasts where Megan and I go back and forth about a specific topic, share stories about clients, give you facts, give you tips and ideas and recipes about nutrition, and then some podcasts have been me doing the exact same just without a conversation. But this episode is going to be a bit more of a stream of consciousness approach, meaning I'm going to speak to you like a friend, like a client here on the other end of our table and share a story from my own personal life and give you some real thought nuggets to chew on, right? To dip in honey mustard and chew on, meaning... I have been through so many different struggles with food, body, and nutrition that I want to share them with you, give you some insight that I've collected from my own journey and clients with a similar journey, and therefore you can do some self-evaluation, and then I'm going to share some strategies at the end to help you overcome this specific struggle, which I haven't decided the exact name of the podcast title yet, but It's along the lines of if you have ever restricted your food, you need to listen to this. If you've ever gone on a diet, if you've ever gone on multiple diets and you've started them over and over again, or you've adopted some kind of restrictive type of eating, this is really important for you to listen to. And I'm going to start by sharing a story from my own childhood, and it sounds a bit dramatic. Well, let me kind of back up here. The reason why I'm doing this podcast is because this morning I was taking a walk and I I walk every day and I really challenge myself most days of the week to walk without anything in my ears. No music, no podcast. I put my phone down. I just get in the zone. It's very meditative for me. I do struggle with just general meditation. So walking in silence really, really helps me out. And I usually like to face inner struggles or this is where I get some of my best ideas. And for some reason today, I was just so caught in this loop of the story of when I was a kid and I kind of had some eureka moments about myself and I want to share them with you because they relate to food. And I think a lot of my struggles and a lot of the things that probably have held me back and may continue to hold me back in life are rooted in dieting as a child, insecurity about my body, insecurity about how I eat or others perceive me. And I'll tell you right now that compared to five years ago, eight years ago, I am a totally different person. And I'm really, really grateful for all of these struggles that I've been through with food because that's what makes me a really good dietitian. Because I have been through weight gain, I've been through weight loss, I've been through binge eating disorder, I've been through bulimia, I've been through restrictive dieting, I've compensated for overeating with excessive exercise. I have done it all, I feel like, and I've learned from every experience. 
And one thing I, I share with a lot of clients who have been through similar experiences, especially as kids and adolescents, is that all of these patterns that we pick up as kids were strategies, coping mechanisms that were really effective because we were just kids and we didn't know a whole lot else, right? We didn't have a lot of coping strategies when things were hard or when we felt bad about ourselves. And dieting and eating both feel good in different ways. And today I'm going to really focus on how dieting filled a void for me and was a strategy that filled a void several times in my life. It was a pattern that picked up that I picked up over time until I learned better. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I still get this weird urge to start restricting my calories. And I see that as a signal that something's wrong and needs my attention. And I recently had this about three months ago where I had this like itch to restrict my food and diet. And it turns out it had nothing to do with my desire to really change my body. Although that's just what my brain's pattern had identified as a solution that was, ooh, you know what? You're not feeling comfortable right now. Something's wrong in your life. Let's change it by, ooh, changing your body. And this was something I learned very young. So if this sounds familiar to you, sit back and listen to the story and think about your own life as I tell the story. So when I was a kid, I can remember really early on, talk about dieting and body image being important in my family. And I'm not saying this like that I'm some special exception. This is like most women. This is 80% of women. I mean, I'm pulling that number out of my butt, of course, but as a dietitian and I'm talking to people all day long, my my uh, lens tells me that there's a lot of people who have gone through this because I hear the same story in a different context over and over again. And so eight or nine years old, I specifically remember my mom was always on diets, never talked negatively about my body, but she did not feel comfortable in her body. I remember telling her I think she was beautiful and she would say no. We had all these diet books, diet food around my whole childhood and adolescence. I remember my paternal grandma would tell me to suck my stomach in or she'd make little comments or act surprised when I wanted seconds in food. So there was always underlying Uh, feelings about guilt and shame around food. Never 100% felt it was directed towards me, but I do remember middle school was a very pivotal point for me. And this is a really pivotal point for everybody, of course, but specifically because we're going through puberty, things just get weird and you're so hormonal and this is when you start to compare yourself to other kids and start to have more of a self-awareness. That's just my perspective. So I remember in sixth grade, I had this best friend and she and I would do body checks in the mirror. I remember we would lift our stomachs up and we would compare our stomachs. And I was never a big kid. I wasn't what you would consider a fat kid, but I was just bigger. I was taller. I had hips before most people. I just felt like I was bigger than everybody else. I don't know why. I'm sure a lot of it was just because I was taller. And my best friend and I would talk about our bodies constantly. And I started to notice in middle school that while I had a lot of girlfriends, I never got the attention from the boys I wanted attention from. I wasn't getting attention from the popular athlete guys. 
And I started to draw connections and pick up patterns like the smart, bright little sixth, seventh grader that I was and realized like, oh, like the girls who have boyfriends are thinner and smaller than me. I must become thinner and smaller. This is probably why my mom's always dieting and why grandma's always telling me to suck my stomach in. So I adopted dietary restriction patterns and I'll never forget. It must have been sixth or seventh grade. I got this book called The Secrets of Skinny Chicks. And guys, this book is so wild to think about now. I I don't think my mom knew what it was because she would not have bought it for me if she knew what it was. But it would tell the stories of women who were thin, conventionally thin, and their eating regimens and their stats. So it was like the printed copy of the YouTube videos, What I Eat in a Day. (laughs) Except way worse, in my opinion, because there was no realistic examples. And I remember that they would show like the woman's height, her weight, and how she exercised and how she ate. And I would make notes of like, okay, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't do this, exercise like this. And not only did I take all this advice seriously to heart, I started to wear it as my identity. And it made me feel so empowered and better than everyone else, I guess when I would diet. And what I mean is I remember I'd be in like middle school cafeterias and there was this specific salad that I would get all the time. It had grilled chicken, apples, cheese, and like some vinaigrette. And I knew that all the women in the skinny chicks book, they would eat their apples and they would eat their salads. So that's what I got. But not only did I get the salad and just mind my business like I should have, I would talk about why my salad was so much healthier than everybody else's pizza and french fries and burgers and ice cream to their face at the lunch table like i I, like i would sit there and just be like you know how much fat is in that pizza and i would like take a napkin and blot the pizza for my friends and be like look at all this grease i just saved you 130 calories and then look at your french fries do you know how much sugar is in that ketchup and you're gonna have ice cream with that i would just rip on people's food and when you're in middle school kids aren't gonna look at you and be like Kate, you're delusional. Like, what's wrong with you? Do you need help? Do you need therapy? They would just be like, oh, like, okay, well, it tastes good. Like, your salad looks disgusting. But I didn't care because I was looking up to these women in this book and I was like, I'm the healthy one. I'm the one who is going to be better than everybody else because I'm eating salad. And this was a key pattern that, like I said, has shown up in my life because here I was not feeling good enough to have a boyfriend, not feeling worthy enough. And I thought, wow, not only am I eating in a way that's gonna make me good enough for boys, but I'm also better than everyone else. This is my purpose, this is my identity, because I eat rabbit food and everybody else eats disgusting, greasy, fatty food, right? It made me feel so empowered and good to eat this way. And I'm gonna pause the story there to turn it to you, to give you a little thought nugget to dip in your honey mustard and chew on, right? If you've ever been on a restrictive diet or you have gone through a cycle of diets that have some underlying elitism to them, meaning you've gone on a clean eating diet because, ooh, you don't eat processed food. You wouldn't touch anything that comes in a box. Or you've gone on a paleo diet because that's how cavemen eat and you unlike everybody else, are so connected with your evolutionary ancestors. 
Or perhaps you've gone vegan simply because you're sustainable and you care about the animals and meat's just not good for you. And you, you like to feel good with eating plants. And you've told everyone about it and you've started an Instagram account about it. And you take pictures of your food and you make comments to everybody and you find little ways to sneak it in into conversations. And I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad. I'm telling you that I did the exact same thing. And while on the surface, the very surface level, perhaps the surface two levels are that I wanted to be healthier and change my body. I wanted to lose weight. Okay, this diet's going to help me lose weight. This is the one that's going to make me wear a size four pants, even though I haven't worn a size four pants since I was in third grade, right? This is the one that's going to transform me into this beautiful butterfly. And again, I will be perfect and I will be Instagram worthy and I will be everything that I've desired to be. That might be the surface reason why you've adopted a diet. But if you dig a little bit deeper and you continue to ask yourself, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I announcing to the world or declaring a new diet or adopting a new way of eating or restricting my calories in an effort to change my body right now in desperation. I don't have six months to wait. I need to lose this weight in three weeks because I've got a wedding. And if I go to the wedding and everyone from high school sees that I'm different and they will not like me anymore and they will, they will reject me from the lunch table and nobody will want to date me and nobody will want to be my friend and nobody will love me and I will not be good enough and I will not get chosen. And that was a lot. And I know that's a lot of people's stories. And I'm not just making that up. I'm saying that I've heard the story spun in different ways as a dietitian. People spill their guts out to me. They come in here and they're like, I want to lose weight. And I'm like, fabulous. Because genuinely, I believe, yeah, you sh- it's your, your right to want to lose weight. And for health reasons, a lot of people should be losing weight. It's not healthy to carry a lot of, carry a lot of excess body fat, okay? I don't care what the Hayes community says, all right? I can see from the research and studies and from people's personal accounts of how their life is not as fulfilling or they're not able to be as fulfilled when they're carrying excess body fat. I get that. So I just want to put that out there that changing your body weight and lose weight is not wrong. What is not helpful is adopting unhelpful strategies you might have used as a kid or adolescent. What I mean, when we are kids and we are adolescents, we don't have access, knowledge, or understanding of different coping strategies to feel good about ourselves, to feel worthy. And food and dieting is pretty freaking easy and we learn it quick and kids are learning it even quicker than ever now because of Instagram and social media. And we can instantly find validation from others when we talk about health, when we talk about food or when we lose weight and change our bodies quickly, right? We get that, ooh, I'm good enough feeling. We also get a lot of comfort from food. It makes us feel good which if I pick back up on my story, things took a change for the worse when my grandma passed away because my parents' marriage dynamic changed and I didn't understand, they didn't talk to me about it, but I knew something was wrong in my family. I was watching my parents fight. It seemed like they were going to get divorced. And so here I am eating healthfully and it started to get really extreme when I was in seventh and eighth grade. I would do these beach body workouts as a seventh and eighth grade after school for hours. 
in an effort to compensate. I would be working out in class. I remember I was in eighth grade Spanish class or seventh grade Spanish class and I was working out and these two guys that were like cool and popular were like, what are you doing? And I was like, just getting my steps in. I was like standing in the back. I'm like, I just can't sit still, you know, like quoting these like beach body workout people. I just was obsessed with burning calories because I was just trying to get this endorphin rush and get my family's attention. It was the restriction purge pattern with excessive exercise. But I can tell you this did not last long. It quickly turned into bulimia. I would restrict all day long and then after school and or at night, I would just eat. And I had no idea what was going on because I was a teenager. I was a preteen. I would come home from school and I would try not to eat my dad's snacks. I would feel so guilty about it. But then I'd eat the Cheez-Its and I would eat half a box of Cheez-Its and then I would make Hot Pockets. I would eat one Hot Pocket and be like, okay, Kate, stop eating the Hot Pocket. Do your Turbo Jam workout. Get on Beachbody. Let's do something. And then I'd eat another Hot Pocket. And then I'd be like, oh my God, now I want something sweet. And I'd eat like four of my mom's Weight Watcher one point little dessert things. I would just gorge myself and I would feel so guilty. I would not have the physical capability of jumping around and working out after eating all that food that I would just go stick my fingers down my throat and throw up. And I did this for like three or four years, uh, a couple times a week. And I remember at nighttime, I would do it when everybody went to sleep. And I would purposely try to be loud to get my parents' attention. And as an adult now, I'm like, oh, like, I was so distressed about them fighting and worried about the dynamic of my family. I was just trying to get attention somehow and throw up all of these feelings that I had. I couldn't communicate my feelings because that's just, just didn't feel comfortable. I'm not going to go into my child psychology here, but essentially I was binging and purging to get attention and to cope because the food felt really good. The pattern was I'd restrict all day at school because it made me feel like I had worthiness to my peers, to boys. I thought I would get me thin. I would eat all this food at night because I was hungry and it felt good and I was sad. And then I felt so much guilt and shame and I needed attention from my family and I'd throw it all up. And this pattern, guys, it went on for a while until I was in high school and discovered drinking and that's a whole different story and partying became my new look at me attention seeking coping mechanism. But then later in life, in college, I picked up the dieting again, and I picked it up again in my early 20s. And this urge to restrict, although I grew out of my bulimia, I don't use that as a coping mechanism, and I haven't since early high school. The urge to restrict and diet always shows up when I am neglecting a part of my inner world that needs attention. When I feel the need to diet when I need to feel the need to start something new and announce it to the world, that's always a signal to me that I need to stop and look inwards and address something that's a lot harder. And people hate to hear this. They hate to hear it in my office. They hate to hear it in general because it's so much harder to look yourself in the mirror and be like, yo, you're not feeling good about yourself. Like, what is wrong with your life right now that needs addressing? And why are you trying to mask it with a new diet, with counting calories? I'll tell you, that's my my personal 
uh, weapon of choice, I guess. <laughs> whenever I feel bad about myself, whenever I feel unworthy, perhaps it's after a heartbreak or a disagreement with a friend or disappointment at work with a business. Maybe something just didn't go my way. Uh, maybe I didn't hit my specific goals. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit lazy. I haven't been productive like I normally am. I'm just kind of ugh. Well, my brain is so wired to say, okay, you know what will get your life together? You know what will make you feel like you're in control? Do you know what will make you feel good about yourself? Is if you count your calories. Get on my fitness pal, girl. Start plugging that stuff in. Start counting, restricting. Throw everything out of your house that's not good, right? It is an old pattern that is what I learned during a very formative time of my years. When I was going through puberty and becoming a woman and figuring out who I am and how I fit in this world, I learned that dieting is a coping mechanism. And I also learned that food is a coping mechanism too. Isn't that crazy? How they butt heads, how they contradict each other. But as contradictory, if that's how you say the word, as they are, it makes perfect sense because I didn't know as a kid, I didn't have access to, my role models showed me the only strategy revolves around changing your body around food, but also when you don't feel good, you can eat food and it feels good. But then don't eat it again because to be good enough, you can't eat food. You need to restrict. You need to be healthy. You need other people to see you as this person. Otherwise, you're not good enough. You're not a good enough woman for all these boys. Boys won't like you unless you are thin. Your friends will only respect you if they know you eat salad. But when things are going wrong in your life, food's your friend and you can eat a bunch of it and you get this flood of endorphins and oh my God, it's just this beautiful escape to just binge eat Cheez-Its and Hot Pockets and diet cakes. But then when that shame comes back up and you just want everyone to know how you're really feeling, you can just throw it up. And no harm, no foul. It's, a, it's also a weight loss strategy. Look at that. How about that? How convenient is that? You can lose weight, I thought, right? I'm telling you, this is not the case. There's actually a lot of studies that show bulimia is not an effective weight loss strategy at all. Um, but here you go. Here's, here's something that my 13 to 16-year-old brain put together as, okay, this works. It feels good to eat. I get attention if I throw up, I can throw up all my problems, and it's still a weight loss strategy. How convenient. And because this pattern is coded into my brain, I have to be really aware. And I'll tell you that, you know, decades, a decade, not decades, decade has gone by. And while this strategy only shows up and pops up in my head every once in a while, I am much more in control of it and how I react because I'm aware. And this is where I turn to you, sweet, beautiful, funny, awesome, cool listener who I love so much. When you think about your own life and you think about why you have the urge to diet, restrict, or change your body, and your first instinct when things don't feel good in your life, 
whether it's you don't feel good about yourself and who you are and how you're living. Maybe you're not living in accordance to your values. Perhaps you really do value being healthy and you've gone a week with being lazy and sloppy, whatever that means to you. And your quick fix is to immediately restrict because you're not living in accordance to your values. Or perhaps you're having disagreements within your family unit. You and your spouse just aren't seeing eye to eye about a subject and maybe your kids, they're just not getting it. They're going through their own formative transformation and it's stressing you out. It doesn't feel good. It's change. Work's going awry. Things have been crazy with the pandemic and everything is just all shaken up in your life. If your instinct, if your automatic response that might have been rooted in you as an innocent child is to restrict your food and diet or control your calories, control your exercise, your input and output of energy. I'm telling you the answer is not to restrict your food. The answer is to face what's going wrong in your life with a solution that works. And oftentimes, this involves having difficult conversations. I think this is most common, having a difficult conversation with somebody, making a difficult life change. Perhaps maybe in your gut, you know you need to do something about your situation, but it just sucks and you don't want to and it's scary. So why not just go on a diet or why not just close the door to your pantry and eat everything while everybody's at baseball practice and not home. It's a lot easier to flood yourself with endorphins from food and or feel like you're doing something productive and worthwhile by counting your calories and sticking under 1,200 when really you don't feel good unless you're eating 2,000. It means sitting down in the quiet and maybe journaling or taking a walk like I did this morning and just thinking about solutions or facing the anxiety head on. I'm not saying that food or other coping mechanisms shouldn't be a part of your routine, right? Food, it's it's normal to just want to eat something to feel good for a moment. It's normal to want to exercise. Of course, exercise. It makes you feel freaking badass. When you get a good workout in, you're sweating and you're getting the endorphins. I mean, science proves that. And it's also not, there's also other really, really helpful coping mechanisms. Cleaning your house, for instance. Being really tidy with your things. Um, organizing your calendar or your sock drawer, whatever it is. Like There are a lot of great coping mechanisms. Uh, but every co- coping mechanism reaches a threshold where it becomes damaging in the sense that it can damage your body. Like restrictive eating or overeating, binge eating. Um, just like over-exercising and under-exercising don't help you out, right? Uh, If you cope with Netflix and you avoid all of your responsibilities because you're just so addicted to Netflix or social media because you're getting those dopamine hits and you can zone out, that's a problem, right? So food is similar and the urge to restrict is similar. And so you need to catch yourself and say, okay, let's break down this problem pragmatically. Do I need to be eating healthier is a great question to ask yourself when you are res- you have that urge to restrict. 
And oftentimes the answer is yes. I would say more often than not, the answer is yes. Simply because a lot of people are so conditioned to diet and restrict that they don't really know what healthy eating looks like for them. I hear it as they don't know how to eat like a normal person. I have so many clients come in that say, I just don't even know how to eat. I don't know how to be normal. I just want to eat like a normal person. I don't want to restrict. I don't want to binge. So your first step is to figure out, are you fueling your body in a way that physiologically prevents you from under eating and physiologically prevents you from having a survival instinct to binge eat. And if you've listened to podcasts before, we've said it once, we've said it a million times, when you binge eat, it's often in response to restriction. Just like when I was a kid, the binge and bulimia cycles, they all happened after a day of restrictive eating. They didn't happen when I fueled myself, right? Uh, restrictive eating and, and over-exercising. So ask yourself, are you eating healthfully? You have to take care of your physical body if you want to help your mental health too. So meeting with a dietitian, I'll just say it, is the fast track to making sure that you're eating in accordance to your needs. And hey, if that involves weight loss, we're all here, we're here for that, right? But weight loss does not mean going on an 1100 calorie diet and exercising on the elliptical for an hour every day like that they told me to do in my Skinny Chicks book, right? That's just not the case because that's going to result in binge eating. It's not going to fix anything. So I would encourage you to meet with a dietitian. If you want to meet with one of us, uh, We of course, we're accepting new clients. We'd love to help you with that. The second thing you need to ask yourself is, okay, if I'm, if I'm fueling my body right and I feel like I'm eating really well, I feel good the way I'm eating right now, why am I wanting to restrict? What's going on? Is there something that's out of my control right now that I'm trying to control and logging onto my fitness pal and plugging in some numbers gives me that sense of control? Is it the fact that I just don't feel good enough about myself right now? Did I just go to the beach with my friend who is just naturally very slim and I started to compare myself to her and it triggered some old feelings from when I was a kid? When I was an adolescent, my mom would say this or kids at school would say that. Am I repeating old patterns and old coping mechanisms that sprouted within me when I was younger? That's a big one. That's a big one, especially with family or with women who come from families that put a huge emphasis on body image. I see this a lot with my Hispanic and Latina clients or my clients who are Asian and Indian. There was always a huge, huge pressure to be a certain body size and act a certain way and eat a certain way. And their moms or their male family members, I have one girl whose dad would just make comments to her about how her body needs to look if she wants to get a man uh, and be, you know, get married. Are these old things that your parents used to say to you that made you feel like if you don't eat a certain way, you're not worthy? Are you trying to just tap back into some old coping mechanisms, some old strategies that simply don't serve you anymore. And that's the key thing there, you guys. These strategies, when you're a kid and you're an adolescent, they serve a purpose. I can look at my bulimia and my restrictive eating as a kid and be thankful because I needed them. I didn't have anything else. This was the early 2000s and therapy just was not a thing. Like, I mean, it was a thing, but like to put your 13-year-old 
through therapy would just that just that was not a conversation um so it was I'm really thankful I just I needed that and I outgrew it and I found other coping mechanisms that weren't helpful either and luckily I grew out of those too because the strategies that tend to work the best are the ones that involve looking within yourself and solving the problem not putting a band-aid on it those band-aids can help right I consider over-exercising or cleaning your house as a really helpful, not over-exercising, but exercising and cleaning your house as helpful band-aids and you need them there. You need to wrap the wounds and support yourself as you go through journeys and those are just healthy things to do that take care of you. It's important to have a good, healthy environment. But again, when they reach extremes and you just start wrapping your wound over and over and over and over and over again, you don't actually acknowledge the fact that it needs a little bit more TLC than... Eventually, it's going to get infected, right? And spread all over your body. I'm getting all medical and gross here, right? But that's a that's a great metaphor, isn't it? You can take that one to the bank, guys. If you don't address the actual wound, it's going to start infecting your whole body and impacting your life. It's not a helpful strategy. The best strategy is to look inward. So I'm saying a lot here. I'm throwing up a lot of stuff here on you. And wow, That would be a really inappropriate pun if I intended it to be a pun. Throwing up a lot of stuff on here. Great, Kate. After you talk about your bulimia. But what I want you to take from this podcast is to explore your own tendencies and urges around restrictive eating. I've talked a lot about binge eating on previous episodes, about why we binge eat. It's a similar but not the same context. The urge to control what you're eating, to change your body quickly, that desperate desire to change your body right now or you're not going to be good enough. It's like a panic. This desperation to tell everybody that you are now following a keto diet, but not the dirty keto. You follow the clean keto where you only eat plant-based keto foods, blah, blah, blah. Where is that coming from? What problem, what feelings of unworthiness, of not being good enough, of not being loved, what really needs your attention? Because I promise you that changing how you eat to some weird extreme is only going to make you feel good for a little bit, but that wound's only going to still be there and it's only going to still grow and you're probably not going to lose weight for the long haul anyway, so don't even waste your time, okay? Just skip that, do the work. And if that means going to therapy, fine awesome. I am all for that. If it means taking walks every day in silence to think about things, do that. Journaling, I think, is a beautiful strategy. I have a lot of my female clients specifically do a lot of journaling about how food makes them feel, about how they feel about their body, about things that are triggering them and where these are coming from. I also help my clients do a lot of intention setting. What do you want your relationship with your food and body to look like? What do you want your life to look like in general? And how does healthy eating play a role in that? And nobody's ever come back to me and says it means skipping breakfast, having an apple for lunch and a protein shake for a snack and binge eating at night. (laughs) So really picturing what you want your dream life to look like and how food plays a role in that. I think that's super important. Does it mean having a conversation with somebody? Does it mean opening up some can of worms. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right expression. Does it mean sitting down with someone and being like, hey, you know, I'm sure I've given you the impression that I don't care, that this doesn't bother me. But the truth is I'm feeling XYZ about ABC and I need to share this with you. Does it mean creating boundaries in your life? 
Boundaries are a huge buzzword right now in the psychoanalytic realm of the interwebs, right? But I, I, they're very valuable. Are you a people pleaser who doesn't feel like the, that you have your own voice? This is something I struggle with. I'm an only child. I was raised to be a good little girl. Are you a people pleaser? Are you trying to make everyone happy and you don't know how to make yourself happy? So you think, oh, maybe if I change my body and I control my food, that will give me some sense of worth and control when everybody else is walking all over me like a doormat. Do you need to create some boundaries and become more assertive? Speak up for yourself. Do you need to get clear on who you really are? Do you have not a very strong sense of an identity or maybe you're hanging on to an old identity that just doesn't match up with who you really wanna be. I'll tell you that restrictive eating, binge eating and eating disorders are often that adolescent identity rising back to the surface. I know that when, I'm got, when I've got that little uh, inkling to start dieting, it's because that 13 year old girl in me is feeling like boys don't love her and her family dynamic is out of control and she just needs to get some attention and feel better about herself. And I know that that tendency is just an old identity that I don't identify with anymore. I don't, that, that's who I was and that's not me anymore. I don't wanna act like a 13 year old girl. I'm gonna act like a woman and I'm gonna handle my problems the way the ideal version of myself would. And the ideal version of myself would not open up my fitness pal and start restricting everything beautiful from my life. And she wouldn't go home at night and eat everything in her pantry because it feels better than facing her problems. This was kind of a heavy episode. So if you hung in here to the end, I appreciate you guys uh, being here and listening to the stream of consciousness. And I, I hope it gave you something to think about and some tools to really address. And I want to remind you that if you need help, if this stuff stuck out to you and you're like, sheesh, like... Uh, yeah, this is me. This is what Megan and I specialize in. This is what we can help you with. We can sit down with you and explore what restrictive dieting has done in your life. What eating strategies help and what ones, which ones do not help anymore. And how to eat and fuel your life in a way that feels perfect for you and helps you achieve your goals. You can lose weight without restricting and going paleo. You can change your body without doing cardio for two hours every day. You can feel way better about yourself today by changing the way you eat and the way you show up in the world. You can start to get that ultimate feeling of confidence that you imagine you're going to have when you lose 20 pounds. You can get that sooner because the way to get to your goal is to start acting like you've already achieved your goal. And when you visualize your goal, I hope, I hope, hope, hope it does not involve restrictive dieting, over-exercising, binge eating, bulimia, anorexia. I really hope. Because if it does, if that's your end goal, pff, I'm not your dietitian. Please do not call me. <laughs> but if you want to find a way to eat for life, to reach a weight in a sustainable way or to gain weight in a sustainable way, to gain muscle, to lower your blood pressure, to get rid of your high blood sugars once and for all, become fit again, but you want to do it the healthy way, probably the harder way, (laughs) 
then I encourage you to reach out to Megan and I. You can book an initial consultation with us on our website. That website is nutritionawareness.com. We also have the Daily Accountability Program. This is for our clients who are not local for in Orlando, uh, but who want some one-on-one daily accountability and coaching, who want to have two dietitians really see how you eat, how you live your life, what patterns are showing up, and guidance and coaching to changing these patterns in healthful ways that ascend you towards your ultimate goal without making you restrict. Our daily accountability program is awesome because we work with you every single day and we see things that you might not be aware of. It's kind of like having a little food therapist, dietitian in your pocket. And I say therapist because it's the only word I can think of. We're not licensed therapists. But we can see eating patterns that aren't serving you anymore that perhaps you don't and help you change them in a way that does serve you. So if you want to apply to our daily accountability program, that website is also that link i'm sorry the link to that application is also on our website nutritionawareness.com you just go to the services coaching tab and fill out that application i will also link it in the show notes below and one last thing guys i want to thank you again for listening to this podcast if you know someone who could really benefit from it please share it because our podcast grows when you guys share the episodes so Send it to them directly or even better, tag us on Instagram and your Instagram stories uh, when you finish listening to the podcast. I think that's a really subtle way to share it with friends that you are like, uh, you need to stop, you need to stop dieting Susie, listen to this podcast without directly sending it to her and maybe hurting her feelings. Just, you know, post it on Instagram and be like, oh my God, everyone has to listen to this or whatever. (laughs) Uh, And you can tag us at nutrition.awareness. We'd love to see it. All right, guys. That's it for today. I will catch you on the next episode. Be sure to subscribe and have a beautiful day.